Oh, God has given me such a love for the nations. You know, I, I, I love the people of Brazil and India and Poland and, and, you know, all of the various African nations, Uganda and Kenya and Nigeria and South, South Africa and, you know, all of the nations, America and Canada, you know, Venezuela, glory to God, you know, uh, France and Ireland, glory to Jesus. Come on for Ireland. Come on, Ireland in Jesus' name. All of these nations, Germany, glory to God, these nations are going to awaken. They're going to awaken. It is not, listen, it is it's not finished. It's not over. God is not taking us out of here. He is going to send in the sickle. There's going to be a harvest of souls. Glory to Jesus. Who brought their Bible today? Amen. Come on, lift it up high. Make the devil mad. Amen. Praise God. Well, if, if you didn't, you know, we serve a God of grace, so we have it on the screen as well. But we're going to read um, Luke chapter 14 and verse 7 to 11. So we could just read this together. Um, so he told him a parable. So he told a parable to those. You can read together with me. So he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, Go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen. Praise God. If we could get the lights on up there. You may be seated today. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus, uh, we're doing part two of our message on humility, amen, and uh, I hope the previous week blessed you, and uh, you know, I think it's a message that, that we as the church need to hear, our hearts need to be open, and um, you know, this is a, a principle that undergirds uh, the, the word of God in its entirety, and, and here it's interesting that Jesus is in a social uh, setting, you know, he was accused of being a friend of sinners and a friend of tax collectors, but you know what, Christ had such a love for people. I believe he was he was drawn to people, and um, you know that's why he wasn't afraid to be around them. And uh, but but it's interesting that he noted that uh, how some people chose you know the very best seats, and and yet he show he, he gives them you know a principle to follow that you, you know seems uh, rather strange. He said you know take the lowest seat. Um, take the lowest place and then you, you may be brought up higher and he finishes uh, by saying whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted 
Amen? And so, again, if we exalt ourselves, the principle is if we put ourselves up, God will put us down. But if we put ourselves down, God will bring us up. And no, I'm, I'm not talking about a false humility that, you know, putting yourself down and, oh, I'm nothing, I'm a nobody. No, you're a child of God. You are a somebody. You are loved, you're accepted in the beloved. You belong here. You are valuable to God. The Bible says that you're his treasure. However, uh, you know, there is no place for pride in our hearts because it is all by grace. Nothing that we have received uh, has been because we deserved it, but because we were good enough. But rather, what Christ did on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection has made us worthy and has made us accepted in the beloved. So Jesus exemplified humility, and he consistently impressed it upon his disciples. Um, you know, the importance of humbling themselves before the Lord. Because again, God resists the proud and let me say this, if God is resisting you, amen, it won't go well for you. Sometimes, you know, people think, oh, I just need to try harder. No, well, listen, if, if God is resisting you, it doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how hard you network or what connections you make or uh, what names you drop. It's not going to work. And so 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So humility is a, a foundational principle of God's kingdom. And if you don't understand it or value it or walk in it, then you will never know true intimacy with God and you will never fulfill uh, the, the, the purpose that God has for your life. You, you, you'll never see it fulfilled or, or come to pass. Philippians 2 verse 3 and 4 in the New Living, it says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. That is such a powerful verse. You, you know, talks about, you know, again, let me read it. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. What a rare person this is in life. The one who takes a genuine interest in others. I'm not take, talking about somebody, you know, who, who takes a feigned interest or pretends to be interest. You know, it's like the saying, nobody cares. <laughs> And you know, that, that, that there is truth to that because in reality, most people don't care, amen? And you can give your sad story and people go, uh-huh, uh-huh, and in their head, they're thinking about something completely different. And so, again, um, the, the Bible says here, though, to take a genuine interest in others. You know, the late Frank Cairns, my, my dear friend Frank Cairns was one of those people. He used to encourage a young married couple over 20 years ago. He was always encouraging them to excel and saying kind things about them. And, you know, they had a dream of, of planting a, a, a church in the heart of Dublin. But nobody took them seriously, but Frank did. He believed in them and he prayed for them and he loved them and encouraged them. And you know what? You're standing in that church today. 
Never underestimate the power of encouragement. Fact is, most of us can remember people who, even when we were little kids, used to encourage us and say kind things about us. You, you were drawn to people like that because there was no shortage of people who would slap you across the back of the head and tell you you're dumb or tell you you're this or tell you you're that. But you know, that rare person that, that saw something in you and believed in you and loved you and encouraged you, you know, and those memories stay with us, I believe, for eternity. You know, to the very day that he died, he, he encouraged us. I remember first thing that would happen when I would finish a sermon. It didn't matter if it was good, bad, or indifferent. Frank would make a beeline for me, and he would start using all of these big words I didn't understand, saying it was effusive with whatever. And you know, he loved words. But you know what? He, 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 was, he was a journalist with the, with the, uh, uh, the Irish Times, and uh, I was the Independent. I can't remember. He'd be appalled if I couldn't remember. But you know, it was one of those papers. He was, he was a journalist for probably 50 years. But... Um, um, uh, you know, he always believed in us. And another one of those rare people was Jackie Orr. You know, I, I remember how she would help those who came to Christ, particularly those new believers who didn't know how to read or write uh, or, or maybe had struggles, you know, in, in, in that area because of, you know, uh, for whatever reason. But you know what? She would patiently work with them and she helped them not only with their spiritual development, but also, you know, with practical things like writing letters and answering correspondence. She would sit with those new believers for hours and nobody nobody really aside from the main leadership here would know but she would sit with them these these believers who are not yet mature enough maybe to sit into bible school and she would sit with them and help them to learn the abcs of the christian life you know she came alongside joanna and i at a very critical juncture in in our lives a very challenging time in our lives. We had, we had five really young kids. Julie was little more than a baby when Jackie came, and our youngest. And, and, and she came alongside, and she started to, to carry the burden of the ministry, started carrying the weight. And, and, and just little by little, she started taking over various ministries, you know. But it wasn't a hostile takeover. We were more than glad to begin to release things to her. But you know what? She, she was such a, a blessing. She, she took an interest in, in, in our children, in our lives, in, in our ministry. She would mind the children when they were small and we had to go to minister somewhere. And, uh, you know, listen, we went for over probably 10 years without having, uh, uh, you know, aside from our, our dear mother-in-law, Jill, or when we went down to Kerry, that was it. We didn't get to go out because, you know, we, we, we never called, but we knew what would happen, you know, called babysitting service five kids, you know, just hang up, um, if they had any sense. Um, but, but, you know, she used to, she used to mind, mind the kids, and, um, you know, she, she loved the kids' ministry. She loved the, the homeless. Um, you know, she loved Praveen, Pastor Praveen and, and, and Sandy, our assistant pastors. She loved their kids. She was like a mother to them. You know, they're from India. They didn't have family over here, and, and, and maybe nobody else cared, but Jackie cared. She loved them, and she, she loved Love those kids like they were her own. You know, most people are not interested in others, but Jackie was, and that's why she was such a rare individual. And you know, we we really lost a, a treasure in Jackie R. But you know what? I'm glad she's with Jesus. I know she's happy where she is. She's rejoicing, and she ran her race. And so we thank God for her life in Jesus' name. Amen.
So Philippians 2, I want to read it again. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Because this is so contrary to the spirit of this age. Because you know what? We live in a time where self-promotion and pride rules in the hearts of so many. You know, where narcissism is presented as a virtue and selfishness is, you know, repackaged as looking out for yourself. But you know what? Looking out for number one may be the way of the world, but it's not the way of the master. Because if it was, he would have never have gone to the cross. You know, one of the greatest needs in the world today, I believe, is humility. And yet, sadly, many people, you know, fall back into addiction or, or commit adultery or get divorced or suffer loss or bankruptcy or even, sadly, lose their lives because they lacked humility. The humility to listen and learn. And remember, you're not going to learn if you can't listen. Amen? Uh, humility to serve, to worship. Humility to put God first. Humility to allow God to lead. Amen. Humility to acknowledge the need to change. Amen. And to ask for help. Some people just won't ask for help the same way as no man will ask for directions. Amen. So praise God for Google Maps. You know, but, but humility to cry out, to cry out to God. Um, John Newton. 1725 to 1807, the writer of the beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace. I am persuaded that love and humility are the highest attainments in the school of Christ and the brightest evidences that he is indeed our master. Think about that. Love and humility are the highest attainments in the school of Christ. So again, it doesn't matter how much you know, until you walk in humility, you haven't graduated from the school of Christ. And you know, just while I talk about that, I want Mark Boucher to stand up. Look at that guy. An ex-soldier from South Africa, he still stands tall and straight. But you know, all through this winter, uh, Eamon, could you stand up as well? You know, Eamon, Jackie, and, and Mark. They were at the front door at the gate when we had to do all of the event bride and all that. They were standing there in the rain and the cold and at times the sleet and the snow with a smile on their face, welcoming every person that came through the door. Could you show your appreciation to them? Amen. You may be seated. You see, it takes humility to serve. Because most people don't think of others. And that's why when you come across that rare individual that is willing to serve others, they truly are a treasure. Amen. You know, we have people that serve on, on teams. You know, the very fact that the, you know, the service is recorded is because people are willing to come here to serve. The fact we have that beautiful worship is there are people are coming, coming in here hours before the service starts. You know, we have a, a technical team, Jason and all of the others are in here from 8 o'clock in the morning setting this place up. This doesn't just happen. But it takes humility to serve. You know, there's, a, a teams, a, 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 there's a team of, of people that clean the toilets. You know, most people would think that's below them, but I believe that's very close to Christ because they're willing to get on their knees and clean and serve others. 
And so, again, the children's ministry, you know, week after week, through my long, never-ending sermons, they're in there with the children, ministering so that you can hear the message and so the kids can get the Word of God on a level that they can relate to and understand. You see, humility, service is rooted in humility. I am persuaded that love and humility are the highest attainments in the school of Christ and the brightest evidences that he is indeed our master. Is Christ your master? Then humility must be your goal. If Christ is your master, then humility must be your goal because Christ has no place in his kingdom for those who are proud in heart because we're only like him to the degree that we walk in humility. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. And let me say this, Christ is humble. And if you're not humble, then you're not like him. I think this is important for us to grasp this. You know what? Christ is humble, and if we are like him, then we will be humble too. Romans 12 and 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. The new living. Because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourselves, don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your estimation, or sorry, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given you. You see, we need to maintain a humble estimation or a humble evaluation of who we are and where we are at because all of us can grow in Christ-likeness. Amen? Um, uh, John Flavel, he was an English Puritan minister who died in 1691. And he said this, They that know Christ will be humble, and they that know themselves cannot be proud. That is so profound. They that know, hallelujah, may read it. They that know God will be humble, and they that know themselves cannot be proud. You see, truth doesn't have a sell-by date. Even though this man is long uh, dead and gone on to his eternal reward, what he says resonates in our heart because I believe it's eternal truth. Amen? And truth, like I said, doesn't have a best by date. Amen? And this is, the, this is the fact. It is impossible to offend, or almost impossible, to offend a humble person. Amen? Hallelujah. And so, if you have a tendency uh, to take offense, if you are prone towards uh, outbursts of rage, or anger, or jealousy, or self-pity, or you hold a grudge forever, it's an indication that you are proud. Because it's impossible to insult or offend a dead man. And the Bible says we are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not we who live, but Christ lives in us. And this is why, you know, that we need to respond like Christ. That's why Christ-likeness has to be our aim and our goal. But you might say, oh, oh Pastor John, tis the, tis the Irish temper, so it is. I just can't help. I, I just gotta, you know, just... <laughs> 
No, that, that's not the Irish in you. That's the devil in you. And you need to deal with that. That's the flesh. Okay? <laughs> Sorry. That was, that's how the Americans think of the Irish people. They think, you know, they think there's leprechauns in every corner and, you know, little maidens dancing at the crossroads. <laughs> it's not like that. But I'm just saying, amen, you know, we have to deal with the flesh, amen, and, and, and we all have uh, varying degrees of the flesh to deal with. It may be lust, it may be a bad temper, maybe a tendency to take offense or a tendency to gossip. Whatever it is, we need to crucify that because that is the flesh. And uh, the fact that we haven't is an indication that we still have pride. Amen? Because you see, if you're proud, you, well, I can't believe I wasn't invited to that. Or, I can't believe I wasn't chosen to do that. Or, why haven't they chosen me to sing a special? Because you can't sing. <laughs> you know what a special is, yeah? It's a special song, an offering where you, you know. <laughs> I'm amazed at the believers that insist on inflicting their gift on the body of Christ. <laughs> you know, it, 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 uh, what's that, X Factor? It's like one time she, Sharon said to this guy, who, who told you? Who told you to do this? She was just completely puzzled because the guy didn't, he couldn't carry a tune if you put a gun to his head. And, and she said, he said, who, who told you you could sing? He said, my mates at work. And she said, oh, okay. <laughs> Thank God for, for uh, you know, wives who are able to tell us the truth or for friends who are willing to tell us the uncomfortable truth, amen? So anyway, Hallelujah. If we're like Jesus, we're going to be humble. And, and uh, so like I said, if, if you have issues in those areas, it might be an indication that you're proud. You might say, no pastor, not me. I'm the most humble person in Ireland. <laughs> did you get the joke? <laughs> Last week I did a joke at the start and nobody, nobody got it. Joanna said nobody got it. But yeah, you know, the very fact you're saying I'm, I'm the most humble person. <laughs> It, it just kills it when you, have to, when you have to explain it, you know? But if you don't laugh, I assume you haven't got it, you know? Anyway. <laughs> William Law, 1666 to 1781. You can have no greater sign of confirmed pride than when you think you are humble enough. How many of you, if you were to be honest to yourself, would say, you know what, I'm humble enough. I'm a humble guy. I'm a humble girl. Well, you know what this guy is saying is that there's no greater proof uh, that you are in pride than thinking you're humble enough. Let's re read James chapter 4 and verse 1. Remember, remember this. Uh, whatever I say today, I'm saying to myself first. And, and, you know, every message I preach on a Sunday, I, I've been on my knees and I've been grappling with it. And it's been, you know, God whacks me with it first before it ever hits you. Okay? So, James chapter 4, verse 1 to 10. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war. Yet you do not have, 
because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How many of you need grace? Then be humble. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. We've been going through the book of James um, on Monday night. We have a men's mentoring group um, on uh, Zoom. And uh, maybe if some of the guys who are in the group could just stand at the front of the uh, the ring at the end of the service and so any of the guys that are interested just get their numbers and we'll um, put them into the group what we're doing is we're just going through a book of the Bible every week for 45 minutes uh, sharing a little bit in terms of things that affect us as men and on, on how to be better men because all of us can be better men if we have the humility to acknowledge that because we all know the ladies are perfect If they're not perfect, they're way ahead of us as the guys. How many of you guys have the humility to acknowledge that? See, that's why some of you are single. <laughs> so some of you are single. <laughs> you haven't copped on yet. I thank God for my wife. You know, I tell you, the best thing that ever happened to me aside being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit is the day I walked into a church service and sat next to Joanna Chu. Where's, where's Johnny Tranka? Wave your hand. Johnny, you know, I was just talking. <laughs> no, you're not Johnny Johnny Tranka, my good friend, we were talking this week, and he said the exact same thing. He said, I don't know if, if, if you know, he says, I believe in love at first sight. And, and that's the way it was for Johnny. He met his wife in an ice cream factory. She just walked by, and he just went, I need an ice cream. <sighs> That happened to me when I, when I stood in that church next to Joanna. I just, I didn't understand it then, but it was destiny. There was a guy between me and her in the seat, but that, that was okay. I, right then I started formulating a plan because I said he can do, she can do way better than him. <laughs> 22 years. I thank God for her, you know. Hallelujah. And, and if we don't finish the message this week, I'll finish next week. But after that, we're going to be doing a message on wisdom together. Amen. Because you know what? Hallelujah. To, to, to build a house, you need both the male and the female. Amen. And if you're single, then you got the Lord with you. He's there to make up any, any, anything that is lacking there But until you get married. But you know what? I, I, I thank God. I thank God for... for you know, the wisdom Joanna brings to me, the insight. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guess 
the fact that she keeps me humble. She, she tells me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. Uh, so that's important. So anyway, uh, James chapter 4 here is, 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 is dealing with, you know, uh, you know uh, it says adulterers and adulteresses, do you know that we can be lovers of the world, um, but you cannot be a lover of the world and a lover of God. And, and I, again, let's bear in mind that James is talking to Christians, not to non-Christians. And so as a Christian, even though you're meant to be a follower of Christ, you can be a lover of the world. And if you're a lover of the world, then you're not a lover of God, and you need to repent, and you need to get right with God. Because Jesus is coming back, and the time is short. And I, I, you know, previous years, uh, we've been through a lot of battles, a lot of storms, a lot of challenges, and we've seen various things. You know, the whole, uh, the whole gay thing, and the whole, you know, globalism, and, uh, you know, COVID, and, you know, all of the various uh, things that have come and gone. But you know what? I have such a sense in my spirit. Revival is coming, and it's coming like a freight train. And there is nothing anyone can do to stop it. You know, there are those who think they have power and influence whether in the online world or globalists or all the various people who are behind the scenes pulling strings and, and pushing agendas and etc. etc. But you know what? I really believe this. The power of God is coming and it's, and it's going to hit our society, it's going to hit our nations like a freight train. And there is nothing that can stop it. There is nothing that can stop what God is going to do. We're going to see glorious things. We're going to see men and women who we never thought would come to Christ. And they're going to be like Saul of Tarsus who encountered the grace of Jesus. And, and one minute he is killing Christians, persecuting the church. The next minute he is standing boldly in the public square proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. So let's keep praying. Let's keep believing. Let's not write anybody off. No Nobody is beyond the grace of God. They may be in addiction today. They may be in sin and depravity. They may be involved in all sorts of causes and agendas, etc. But you know what? There is a God who created that person. There is a God who has a plan and a purpose. And he declared in the book of Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. To give you a hope and a future. We need to see our society. We need to see our family. We need to see our friends, our colleagues. We need to see them redemptively. We need to see them through the blood. Because there is nobody that God can't save. There is no chain that God can't break. There is no burden God can't can break You know, or, or lift. There is no life that God can't change. If we will do our part, 2 Chronicles 7, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land glory to Jesus hallelujah how many of you believe that so let's quit pointing our finger and let's start dealing with our stuff let's start you know getting on our knees let's start crying out to God for our family our friends our nation our generation oh God has given me such a love for the nations 
You know, I, I, I love the people of Brazil and India and Poland and, and, you know, all of the various African nations, Uganda and Kenya and Nigeria and South, South Africa and, you know, all of the nations, America and Canada, you know, Venezuela, glory to God, you know, uh, France and Ireland, glory to Jesus. Come on for Ireland. Come on, Ireland in Jesus' name. Ireland is going to awaken. Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, you know, Sweden, Norway, all of these nations, Germany, glory to God, these nations are going to awaken. They're going to awaken. It is not, listen, it is not finished. It's not over. God is not taking us out of here. He is going to send in the sickle. There's going to be a harvest of souls. Glory to Jesus. There's going to be a harvest of souls. You know, Reiner Bonnke once made that prophetic declaration, Africa shall be saved. But you know what? Europe shall be saved. South America, Central America, North America. You know, the nations, Asia shall be saved. We're going to, hallelujah, the Middle East. Glory to God. We're going to see souls coming to Jesus throughout the Middle East and throughout the nations. Oh, we serve a God who has a plan and a purpose and it's bigger than what we can see. So James says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Amen. And it says, God gives more grace. Therefore, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You won't have grace if you don't have humility. And grace is the empowerment. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is an empowerment to live holy. It's an empowerment to do what God has called you to do. And this is why we must humble ourselves before the Lord. And therefore it follows on. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. And this is a very powerful principle. It ends up by saying, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And so God calls us to humble ourselves before him. Thank you so much, Jazzy. Bless you. Just so you know, Jazzy's single. <laughs> Sorry, your dad, your dad put me up to it. God calls us to humble ourselves before him. It's important to understand, this is not a suggestion. It's a command. It says, humble yourselves under the Lord. It says, humble yourselves before in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Amen. And so, it's a command and yet many believers don't obey. Because let's be honest, how many times do we run off in the morning and we're carried off by the business of the day uh, without taking time to pray, without taking time to read the Bible, uh, without time, taking time to simply wait on God. I mean, how often do we make decisions without consulting the Lord first? Amen? How, we just go based on our own rational wisdom. You know, we make decisions without praying or without waiting on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So again, if you're tired and you're struggling with weariness, you're struggling with exhaustion, I'll tell you what the problem is. You're not spending time in the presence of the Lord. And we're all guilty of that at times. We can all get carried away with the, the busyness of life. And so, again, they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
Joshua 9:14. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. Here we have the story of the Gibeonites who saw the children of Israel were coming in to take over the land which God had given to them. It's theirs, uh, you know. It's very, very clear for any person who reads the, 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 the Bible that the, you know, the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. Thank you for that one, yeah. It's a fact. God gave it to them. And if God gives you something, nobody can take it off you. It belongs to them. The, the Bible we read and that the Bible that tells us, that gives us eternal assurance is the same Bible that says the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. You may like her, you may not like it, it doesn't make any difference. That's a fact. And, and you know, we owe so much to the Jewish people. I think it's so important to remember that this is a Jewish book. And, and, and let me say this, you cannot love the people of the Bible you cannot love the God of the Bible and hate the people of the Bible. The people of the Bible are the Jews. So anyway, these Gibeonites, they got some stale bread, they got old clothes, they came and they pretended they'd come from afar. And so it looked good, it sounded good, their story lined up, and it says the men examined the food, but they did not consult the Lord. And as a result of that, you know, they, they ended up in trouble. You know, the men of Israel were taken in by the Gibeonites. Why? Because they were led by their senses rather than by being led by the Lord. And this is something we all need to learn in this day and age is the importance of following the unction. There is an unction to function. Okay, no matter what you're doing, you may be work, you may be a, a stay-at-home mom, you may be working, you know, in, in a, a garage, you may be working in the world of academia or media or whatever your, your, your calling is, whatever you're doing, whatever God has put um, in your hands, there is an unction to function. And we need to be sensitive to that unction because if you are, you will walk in the blessing of God. If you don't, you're going to go from one unmitigated disaster to another wondering, oh, Oh, why, Lord, did you allow that happen? And God is in heaven saying, because you're dumb. Because you never listened to me. You see, God isn't going to send an angel, you know, praise God if he does. But you know what? The Bible says you're born again. You know, as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You know, God isn't necessarily going to paint, you know, on a 50-foot sign what he wants you to do. But he will speak to you in your spirit if you are sensitive to listen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I listened when I saw Joanna. I'm glad I listened when God directed us to the house we bought. We've never been as happy. Amen. You, simple, simple little impressions God will give you. You know, go there, uh, do this. Uh, this is the right person to go with. This is the right connection. No, this is the wrong. You don't have peace on that one. Don't go with that. Amen. We have to learn to be sensitive. Okay. So as many as are led, and let me say this, it is nothing but pride and arrogance that causes us to expect pr uh, success without prayer. Oh, oh, oh God, well, why haven't you given me success? Because you're lazy. You don't seek the face of God. You're not sensitive to the voice of God. Like I said, if you're sensitive to God, He will lead you into success. He will lead you in, 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 into the blessings of God. He will lead you, God forbid, into prosperity. 
Now, if, if, you, if you want to be poor, that's fine. God will let you be there. But that, God wants to bless you. He's a good God. He cares about you. Okay? I don't know about you. I, I got five kids. I need, I need to walk in a certain level of, 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 of God's provision. And so, you know, you, you need to have faith for that. Because you can't have something that you don't have faith for. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, With all your efforts, you do not succeed because you omit to pray to God. That's why the leaders conference tomorrow, the very first person we have speaking is Ellen Sullivan. She is among many other men and women in the church. She's a woman of prayer. She's an intercessor. I, I was so blessed this week. Joanna told me, she said, you need to be careful. She said, the, the intercessors said they were praying and they felt to pray extra special protection on you. Uh, you know, our sitting room is about I guess it's about 20 feet high. It's, got, it's, it's, it's like a little church. It's beautiful. Um, and, and I was up at the top of that painting, painting the ceiling and um, on the ladder praying, shaka, shaka, Lord, keep me. I don't like saying I'm afraid of heights, okay? I'm mindful of heights. I'm, I'm aware when I'm higher than three feet, you know? And, um, but I was, I was praying and I was painting. And after a few days, I got, used to, I got used to it and I wasn't thinking too much. But when she said that, I was like, okay, Lord. Well, it wasn't within a, a few hours that I put the ladder on, 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 on a, sh- a sheet and, and it didn't have any grip. And suddenly I'm like 15 feet or 20 feet in the air. Next thing the ladder starts going, Aah! and I'm hanging on, Shh, Jesus. <laughs> and it, it stopped. And I didn't realize, I'd left a small ladder under it earlier, and the ladder stopped it after about three feet. I was like, Jesus, it would have been ugly. I would have been here today, you know, (laughs) turn to Genesis chapter three. (laughs) So praise God for praying people, amen? But let me say this, you will proceed prayerfully if you walk in humility. And that's why we get into a mess sometimes, is we don't proceed prayerfully. We just jump in and we're constantly asking God to get us out of messes that we should never have got into. How many of you can say, you know what, there's relationships I should never have been in? Thank you for those three people telling the truth. (laughs) rest of you are lying. Um, (laughs) But that's a fact, amen? You will proceed prayerfully if you walk in humility. Why? Because you will realize that you can get it so wrong if you are left to your own devices, okay? And this is why we need more than merely um, natural uh, intelligence or wisdom. We need God. We need God to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to help us. John 15 and five, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. Do you believe that? Then why do we try to do so many things without his help? Why do we try to do so many things without consulting with the Lord? Without asking for his direction? Without asking for his wisdom? Amen? Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Amen? And so this explains why at times we resist the devil, but he doesn't flee from us. All of us can quote this. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Most of us can't quote the verse that precedes that. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And this is what many believers are missing. 
That's why, again, you're struggling. It seems like the enemy is walking all over your life. It's because you have lacked the humility to approach God in the right way and to do things in the right way. Amen? That's why at times, like I said, we resist the devil, but he doesn't flee from us. Because again, the pattern is this. We must submit. We must resist. And it is then that the devil will flee. And we submit by humbling ourselves before the Lord, by humbling ourselves before His Word. And that means the Word takes precedence over the world. Amen? It's important to understand that. And yet, can we honestly say that about the church today? You know, when we embrace many of uh, the, the same values and beliefs as, as the sinful culture that surrounds us, God loves our, uh, the, the people in this world, but let's be honest, our culture has become increasingly hedonistic, decadent, and, and sinful. And so, again, when we embrace the values of the world, then it, it, it's important to understand things won't go well for us. Because, you know, when believers are watching much of the same entertainment and holding to many of the same views and beliefs, like I said, uh, as the world that surrounds us, then you can know that there is a problem. Because should we, surprise, should we really be surprised that we haven't seen the revival that we so desire? Because we've been talking, as far as I can see, we've been talking about revival for decades uh, and we haven't seen it. Fact is, it seems like our culture is going in the opposite direction. And so, again, uh, in, in some ways, like I said, I think we've become desensitized to the holiness of God, to the, to the, the things of God. And, and, and therefore, you know, we're not seeing the revival we desire because revival starts here. You see, we draw near to God, and He draws near to us. Many believers are waiting for God to draw near to Him. Oh Lord, I can't feel you. Oh Lord, you seem so far away. How about you do your part and you reach out to Him? Amen? By, by coming to church, by reading His Word, by, by fasting and praying. Yeah, and I did say the F word. That's the, that's the church F word. Don't mention it. Fasting. I dare, I, I said it again. Some of you just heard a word from heaven. Thank you for those two amens. Mm. We draw near to God and He draws near to us. And you know how we draw near? We draw near in humility and repentance. And if you don't draw near in humility, then don't be surprised. It's like the opposite poles of a magnet. It just keeps moving away. Amen? And so... We need to approach God in humility and in repentance, knowing how desperately we need His grace. As the worship group come forward, sometimes I don't know even where to stop, but you know, this is, I believe this is such an important message for us, and that's why we're going to take three weeks to finish. Um, but, but you know what? I, I really believe that we can, we can learn we can grow and, and we can increase in humility. And, and for us to increase in humility, uh, you know, self has to be displaced. Self has to step off the throne of your life. And this is why, again, the Bible says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will exalt you. You see, the Bible talks about how, you know, the, the, the humbling is our part, the exalting is God's part. 
So whatever God has for you, he will, he will you know, lead you into that. He will open the door. He will usher you into that when the timing is right. But the reality is sometimes we're waiting on God when he is waiting on us. He's waiting on us to humble ourselves. He's waiting on us to deal with that sin that we've indulged in for so many years. He's, he's waiting on us to forgive and release those hurts, those offenses, those wrongs, those burdens that you, that you carry with you wherever you go. God is waiting on us to deal with our stuff, to humble ourselves before his word and say, okay, Lord, I feel this way and my culture says this, but your word says that. And so, Lord, I'm going to go with your word. I'm going to surrender to what your word says. Amen. And, and I'm just going to let you do what you want to do in my life. Because I truly believe that, that, you know, God has given us a free will. And it is something that God respects. Even to the point of a person rejecting Jesus and going to an eternal hell. And, and really, God is the only one who truly understands what that means and what that entails. And yet, in spite of, of all that God sees, that, that the decisions of rejecting Christ and living a sinful life and going your way, where that will terminate, God still respects the right of the individual to choose, even to the point of where a person is choosing hell rather than heaven. So I don't know about you, but I want, I want to be surrendered. I want to be a surrendered vessel. And I want to walk in humility. Amen. And so, again, if you could stand to your feet today.